The phoenix and the dragon in traditional Japanese tattoos symbolize harmony and power. That there is no inner strength without harmony. Brought to you by your two co-hosts, Brian Comstock, an e-commerce brand builder in the field of ergonomics with GetNeely.com. He's experimented with every form of scientifically validated human advancement, ranging from MDMA-assisted therapy, ayahuasca retreats, to peptides and stem cells. Scott Conway is a lead generation and sales expert who has a HIROS.com certified lead generation agency, LGG Media. He is a dragon. Episode four of the Phoenix and the Dragon. Let's fucking vamos, baby. I'm here (laughs) with my co-host, Mr. All-American, Brian Comstock. Good to be here, guys. Good to be here with you. Good to be here with my good friend, Scott. Uh, My all-Canadian, Scott Conway. I wish. I was like third string, (laughs) all-Canadian. Dude. You were a cheer captain. I was on the bleachers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was, dude, nobody kept the bench warmer than me. I was all Canadian bench warmer. That's amazing. <laughs> but look at you now, man. Look at you now. Yeah. <laughs> well, climbing up this mountain of success. Just trying to get up to fucking Chris Benjamin's level. <laughs> yeah, man. 29,000 feet. Yeah, 100%. There's that too, right? But there's so many angles. Look at what he's doing now, like real estate posting. <clears throat> like I said on one of our episodes, I just respect the consistency of people, people who show up, what you're doing, social media posting content. I just think, and as I get into it, I think it's hard to just eat shit. I'm starting to get trolls. I'm starting to get shitty views or whatever. It's just, I think it it just requires, it presents at least for me, it presents like such a level of mental fortitude to, to maintain that consistency and persistence that, yeah. And so that's, but that's what motivates me when I see people like you just, you're running what two businesses, like full-time, you have a staff, you got business problems going on and you still find a way to make the time you're traveling 20 hours from Turkey to Colombia, and you still find the time to like consistently show up. And that just has a place in my heart, brother. I just respect that. Thanks, man. It's fucking a lot. It's like, <laughs> like with managing, I would say it's like the things that, that I'm, I, there's always trade-offs. There's always trade-offs. And unfortunately the things that are getting traded off are my girlfriend and the gym. <laughs> Which are, Sorry, babe. <laughs> Which are worthwhile trade-offs. The gym. Yeah. I wouldn't give up the gym. That's, that's a tough one, but yeah, the, yeah, it's tough, man. It's trade-offs, man. It's that's the thing. I really struggle with that. And I feel like actually that's one of the reasons I'm like not as successful, quote unquote, as maybe I want to be, because I really hate those trade-offs. And it's I'm really not willing to give up certain things like my health, like the gym, whatever. And I think there's pros and I think that's there's decisions to that. I think that's a decision. I know people like my cousin, he really sacrificed for seven years and he ended up selling freshly for over a billion dollars. But when you listen to his story, he had he was sleeping four hours at night. He was dealing with problems that are mind-boggling on a personal it just would be everything becomes personal level. You have employees threatening you, fire, you're firing people. There's so much stuff that he dealt with, and he was just sacrifice. He was like, I will deal with girlfriends. I'll deal with wives. I'll deal with getting back in shape. He's always been in shape. I'll do deal with getting back to my love for basketball or pickup or he, and look what he did. He did very well. Whereas other people, but for me, it's, I'm willing to leave some on the table. I still think there's a synergy. I think when you take care of yourself 
and you feel good, you look good, all that stuff. To me, I am able to have more confidence and it translates to business. So I go for the synergy play, but I do recognize time is time. We all get 24 hours in the day and it has to go somewhere. Yeah, that's fucking really cool story. Quick aside, the sleep thing is something that I've never been able to sacrifice. It's just a hard, for me, it's a hard boundary of what right. I need. Because otherwise I noticed a very sizable drop off in, in my performance. It also brings the worst out of me. Like I have, I'm diagnosed moderate, severe ADHD and which that, is it moderate, which is it moderate or severe? Moderate. <laughs> if I had to, if I had to place it on a scale, it's definitely more on the severe side. That's, that's what the medical terminology is, but I'm also yeah. not a psychiatrist. That's just what, that's what just the doctor told me when I was 10 and I started crying. <laughs> I'm never going to be the same after this. And I was like, no, like you've always been fucked up. I'm like, just kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> but, yeah, you put, more or less put it into those terms. And, but the sleep, the lack, lack of sleep really just, just exacerbates the ADHD to where I'm at work the next day and I'm just like 50% less effective. I can't even, I can't, it would be a whole, not even just podcast episode, but it would just be a whole podcast, just the whole thing, the whole, every episode, if for me to go down the level to which I agree with you and how much sleep is like a thing. I've lost literally girlfriends over sleep. I mean, it's, can you drop the degrees one degree? It's I'd rather just, let's just break up to be honest. You know, it's so it's, it, there's just so many things with it. And, uh, but jokes aside, one thing that I tried to, and it really is a deep thing and deep rabbit hole. And one thing that I try to do is there's like a one-to-one -one correlation with my mental health with poor sleep, but I often forget that. And so sometimes I'll have poor sleep and I'll just be in my head, like ruminating, like why I, I like thinking through an existential crisis of like, why do I feel bad? Like, is my purpose off track? Am I this, am I that? And then I just go through my like checklist. I'm like, okay, no, no, no. start at the beginning of the checklist. Did you sleep well? No. Okay. Then we can put the existential dread aside and just think maybe that's what's going on. But it's just <laughs> as a cerebral person, you just get lost in your head and you're like, dude, what are you, you're thinking incorrectly. It's literally just have sleep. And I can't, anyway, I will not sacrifice that either. If that means I leave billions on the table, at least I feel good my entire life, more or less. You're not just like picking fights with your girlfriend. It's straight with, <laughs> or it's just strangers <laughs> on a flight. Oh man. It's oh yeah. A lot of sleep stories, but that's a whole, my buddy actually has his whole sleep science Academy. He, he teaches people how to sleep and he'll do a whole podcast on how to sleep better. So they're out there and they're very important, but we're doing other things, but it's something I could Anyway, the point is, I agree with you. It's funny. Just another thing about the arguments thing of literally like almost every, not every time, but say I've been like borderline rude to a stewardess on a plane because of lack of sleep. Like every time that I travel and I've chosen to not, <laughs> chosen the early flight and chosen to sacrifice sleep in, in favor of cost savings. I don't think I'm going to be doing that anymore. No, I was flying first class at a good deal or whatever. I was doing that. And then I even got the flight delayed. And then I ended up checking into the Marriott in Philadelphia at three in the morning. And then I had another flight at eight in the morning. So I only had four hours of sleep. And I'm just like, you know what? Let's just literally never travel. Like wherever I am, that's my life now. I'm just never leaving. It's just so, every time I do it, it's so painful. But then of course, when I get there, I'm like, all right, this is where I need to be, blah, blah, blah. But it's just, it's tough, man. Like it is, there's radiation on planes and there's germs. I got MRSA last time I was on a plane. Planes MRSA, are tough. MRSA, it's a, it's like a, 
not subsidiary, the wrong word, but it's like a, it's a type of staph infection. So it's resistant to other antibiotics and things. So it's a, it can be really nasty. A lot of athletes, wrestlers, NFL players, pe- people who are in skin to skin contact, get it. And it can get really nasty if you don't treat it. But what's interesting is we all have it. Like it's on the gym. You have it right now, but it's just at an acceptable level that your immune system can handle. But <laughs> as long as you, as long as you like shower after going to the gym and stuff, but airplanes, gyms, I started wearing leggings at the gym, not to look cool or to, to Nike swoosh, whatever, just literally because I wanted to protect my knees from getting staph infection, which I've already done twice. Point is, if you see that 70 year old, 80 year old on a plane, like wiping down the seats with a sanitizing wipe, they may be onto something. Don't scoff at that stuff. Cause there's actually more bacteria and things that are out there that you are probably been aware of, but you'll learn it. If you deal with it, like I've had it three times, I have take antibiotics, of course, as you would guess, I'm not, a f- I'm not a fan of taking antibiotics unless you absolutely have to. It destroyed my gut bacteria. And now I'm repopulating with the best probiotic I could find. So it creates its whole arsenal of challenges. But yeah, man, that's that's my take on flying and sleep. <laughs> when you said MRSA was a subsidiary, I'm like, I thought you were talking about Merck's, like the logistics, like the international freight company. I'm like, wait, what? You got Merck's? <laughs> you got some shares on a plane? Like, <laughs> pick them up? <laughs> Just picked him up. They got wife on a plane. So I'm like, why not buy some shares? And it's, uh, I like joke around about being like patient zero for all this shit of whatever, like, <laughs> like patient, <laughs> yeah, like the vaccine. Yeah. Or just like never being able to get like fucking sick for whatever. And not to get this, not like a <laughs> COVID is so fucking controversial, but this is all to say that I've gotten, like, I was before I, I got the, before I got the vaccine. I was exposed to COVID like four times. Like I mm-hmm. never got it like directly. Like my roommate had it, like I didn't get it. And it was like, I was at a party and yeah, apparently there's COVID at the party and it just, it just never happened. Dude, these COVID parties need to end, man. Just give me the fucking party. Give me a party with monkeypox and COVID so I can test my hypothesis. <laughs> with with CNN playing on our, all four walls. <laughs> it's just monkeypox and Sleepy Joe and whatever else we can dig up. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't fucking, I don't want that party. (laughs) That party was a joke. Just kidding. YouTube algorithm. Don't murder us. (laughs) Yeah, man. So what else is going on, man? You got anything uh, top of mind? Cause if not, I was thinking we could dig into your eye experience a little bit for people. It's funny, man. Like we're talking about multiple companies and multiple departments. It's every time that you build one up to get one to an excellent level, the others drop off in performance and then it's like a whack-a-mole okay whack-a-mole. This, you have to deal with this department and now you have to deal with this department and i'm finding i'm still on this learning curve of being a senior manager senior operations manager and figuring out how to manage it and it seems to be that you need to get everything on point get all the kpis in place so that everything can run and you have a baseline of what excellent looks like. And then you just need to have your hand on the pulse of the KPIs. So the mistake that I made before is the two other departments, namely sales and then customer success. We don't have those metrics in place. And it's because of there's not that clear accountability, like we have in operations and the fulfillment of our service is like those are the reason, those are the root causes of those departments dropping off in performance. And so now it's just a matter of identifying what those key metrics are 
and identifying what excellent looks like from a number standpoint. Those are the, that's like the main thing that I'm figuring out right now. We chat a little bit, but, and this is like tangentially related at best, but I'm always interested in what people, what are their strengths in general, but like specifically with business. And then you commented that you tend to have a good read on people and you have a successful like promotion track, like four out of five, I think you said end up being it's like some four and a half out of six, four and a half, 4.47 out of six. And when we ran the numbers and yeah, it's like what, cause you've had a degree of success. Is that a big thing? And like, in just your gut feel or speak a little bit to like your strengths and like how you think about it, or maybe you don't think about it. Maybe it's more of just like an intuitive feel or like, how do you look at this stuff? A lot of it has been very intuitive, but it also comes down to the root cause of it is empathy and being able to read people and being able to read what their actions and not just what their actions show, what their words say, and then between the lines of their actions as well as what their words say. And it's, I, it's still something that I'm trying to wrap my head around it and how to train it. Some people have it, others people don't. It seems to be an innate quality, but I'm not willing to, I'm not willing to accept that yet because I'm still trying to figure out how to train it in other people. Like, how do you make a SOP of reading people? How do you make, how do you make an SOP for emotional intelligence? It's like hard to do. Yeah. That's, that's, and it's so fucking interesting that you say that because something that I've been getting down the rabbit hole recently, are you familiar with multi-measure testing and psychometric testing? Roughly explain it for our listeners. So it's taking certain attributes and you have feedback assessments where it's either personalized feedback or excuse me, when I say personalized feedback, you're the one doing feedback on yourself, on your strengths. And then in a leadership capacity, which you can do is you can have the direct reports, do it on the person that they report to so that they can, you can get an accurate, you can get accurate feedback on what your strengths are in attributes and soft skills and abilities. And so it's a way to bring data. It's a way to quantify abilities and attributes that are qualitative attributes. So for example, talking about emotional intelligence, like how to level of empathy, say for example, direct report reporting on who they report to's ability to process empathy on a scale of one to 10. And when you use it in a hiring process, it, the industry average is 71% success rate on hiring. I read that on fuck the company, the name of the company escapes me. One of the bigger, one of the bigger companies in the space, but there is a company objective management group that reports 92 to 96% success rates with this process and hiring salespeople. Well, that's, well, that's even nineties, obviously a big number, which is close to a hundred for those who don't know them, but specifically with salespeople, that's interesting. Cause that's a very, to me, that's one of the hardest positions to hire for. Yeah. They could have drug addictions. They could, you never know what's going on. So it, it could be a whole, that's an inside joke that we won't have to experience. <laughs> I've definitely struggled with drug addiction. <laughs> to all the salespeople listening out there, it's, you can, yeah, you imagine it. I've done it except heroin crack it. Meth. Yeah. Does Adderall count as meth? 
So I guess you could say I've done that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'd rather do certain. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's all powerful stuff. The other thing that I thought was interesting is you queue up what, like the frontier of your bounded rationality and where you want to take your skills to the next level. So I think you identified a few things like content, data science, a few things that you're trying to learn. Do you want to like touch on those and like, how did you select that or how do you manage your kind of skill acquisition? Cause there's just so many things to learn, right? Yeah, this is, that's a great question. And I have a really good feel for people's strengths and weaknesses from coming from being able to read people like as an innate quality and, and talent, you could say. So being able to assess my team's strengths and weaknesses is like, this is, okay, these are things that I'm curious about. These are things that I'm good at. How do I build on these? And then also just assessing what are their, our overall gaps in our business, as well as gaps in both my partner's skill set and my skill set, because he's really good at building dashboards, putting the data together, as well as the data analysis piece of it. And so project management comes in because we do need to, we need to delegate it at some point because I'm still doing all the, excuse me, mid-level operational project management. And so I, in order, I love your way of uh, managing and whatever, like it'll just, someone comes back with a question and you're just like, I need you to own this. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm like. I see that in Asana and that literally makes my day. If someone comes back with a question, you're like, I need you to own this. <laughs> just, it's, it's the ultimate catch-all for just re rebuking any sort of like question. Of, is I'm not going to Google my way. I'm not going to Google this for you. Like you have to like Google it and figure it out. And figure it, it reminds me. Out. Figure it, yeah, it's it's basically a diplomatic way of saying figure it the fuck out. It reminds <laughs> me, I need you. I mean, I'm empowering you to own this. Yeah, I saw that in our asana and it literally made my day. It's just, um, I'm like, does nobody understands how much I appreciate this? It actually reminds me there's a scene in Better Call Saul, which is like a really top series that I love. And he's, how am I supposed to get on his good side? Like, how am I supposed to get him to trust him or trust me? And he's, there's no way I can do that. And the guy just goes, figure it out. It's just, oh, I guess that's my resource. Like, what are you, like, what are your resources when you have no resources? Figure it out. Right. That's like, entrepreneurship in think, a nutshell. Do you think I know how to do podcasting or half the shit I do? No, but you figure it out and you persevere and you figure it out. The two PFs. So. Anyway, I just needed a little comedic relief from the dashboard. Persevere. Persevere. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate you sprinkling that in. Figure it out. Figure it the fuck out. I, I wish I could just say that. There's but so there, much shit that I wish I could the, say. But there is, but it is, it is kind of like jokes aside. It is kind of like an art and science. Like, how do you handle challenges that come up? And then also the constant, like you all constantly have to like empower people. Right. And so, because uh, you can't do everything yourself you can it'll just take a long time and you're gonna not get anywhere that you want for you're not gonna so if you want to build organizations aka like effectiveness and efficiency toward a common goal you need to learn how to empower people and it's inevitably they come back with tired i'm stumped let's figure it out so how do you handle that stuff that's an interesting to me it's an art and science right because it's if you constantly swoop in i had one manager who i don't think was a good manager but he would constantly swoop in and basically solve it. He would beat you over the head and make you feel dumb and then solve it for you, which doesn't give the person a chance to learn how to Google. So 
<laughs> so it's a balance between swooping in and solving it versus just telling them like sink or swim, figure it out or coach them through it. Of course, there's like a happy medium for all this stuff, but it's always situational. And that's the, where that EQ comes in. It's not only the person that you're talking to and you have to know their temperament, their capabilities, their skill sets, also the challenge and task at hand, juxtaposing those together. And then also like your relationship with them. There's like all these things that come into it where it's like, what's the best way to handle this? This ties me to our buddy Keenan. And one thing I learned from like this guy that we did ayahuasca with, he's just a brilliant, spiritually enlightened, beautiful human. But one thing I wrote, literally wrote down things that I learned from him. And, and this is one of them is the way he quote unquote manages what I noticed is minimum viable dose. What's the minimum amount you need to like convey or be, because nobody wants to be beat over the head. So nobody wants to feel you're patronizing them, obviously. So what I noticed is he has a beautiful machinery and of operations and things going on, chefs, shamans, like a whole nine, and it's all orchestrated beautifully. And anytime he needs something to happen, he comes along and almost in a whispered tone is like, what's the minimum I need to say to get the outcome I want? And that just really stuck with me. And I thought it could be applied to managing people and just in general, because, because really at the core of it is like human respect, human dignity, and that's an ego. So that's what we're all driven by. So finding the minimum, the, like the minimum viable dose to get your point across or to get, to explain whatever you need to explain so that it's in their mind. So you don't necessarily need to actually explain to somebody what you want. If you like, know. Hey, if I say this, they'll get the idea. They know what I mean. Like in that way, they can, I don't feel like I'm talking down to them. It's, I find that so, I don't know. That was just one of the random things that I found so interesting of you don't have to like overly commute. Everyone talks about communication, but there's also a reverse communication of like, how can you actually say as little as possible so that people, they like, they're smart, right? You're it's, there's the, there's an implicit message of I'm saying this to you because I understand, I know that you will get what I mean. And I trust that you will take it forward. And there's so many nuancey things about it that I find really fascinating. There's two books that come to mind. The first one is All In by Adrian Gosick and Chester Elton. And in it, they talk about, they quantify, they use a bunch of third-party data from Towers Watson to quantify the impact on profitability that great culture has on an organization. And one of the things that they talk about is engagement, enablement, and excitement in employees and enablement is what you're talking about of not just having a manager swoop in and make you feel like a dumbass <laughs> because they solve the problem and say, you fucking idiot, why can't you solve this? And giving people autonomy and a mentor, Brenda Nekvital, she's coached the mastermind that I'm in Apex. It just to give her credibility real quick. She was HR executive at a number of different fortune 500 companies. And one of her principles that always stuck with me was give people enough rope to hang themselves, but not enough so that you can rope them back in when they inevitably do. So it's let people make mistakes, but then when they do, then you step in and then you course correct. And then the second book that, the second book that came to mind, fuck, I forgot it, but <laughs> On but the point is I read books. That's really the point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look how, look how smart we are. This is why you should continue listening to this podcast. With Keenan, he's something that he taught me that's always stood out is like making sure that everything is orderly. And yes. 
keeping that as a North star because he runs like such a, an effective operation and he has, I'm like 90% sure that he's, he is still has hotels and everything businesses going on outside of that. Pretty sure, pretty sure he does, but yeah, he's a fucking beast. So for all to say. Yeah, he's a beast. We're going to do a whole thing on that later. Actually, that should we use that as a segue? I wanted to hear, I don't think I've actually really heard the full throttle. I mean, it may take maybe a multi podcast thing, but I would love to hear your experience with ayahuasca and how it's informed who you are today, what you do. Oh, actually, sorry. One, one thing I wanted to say before we get into that, what I find interesting about everything we're talking about is to me, it's not about business and managing people and all that stuff. Cause to me, that's a little bit of a, somewhat of a boring topic if you pigeonhole it. Whereas I look at it as more of just human psychology. So when you talk about giving someone a rope, but not enough too much, whatever, so they don't hang themselves to me, that applies. I'm not a parenting expert, but like, to me, that applies to like how I would raise kids and think about raising people and just in general, right? Because it's, you let them fall, but not enough that it's just point of no return. So I think these principles apply to a lot of different domains. To me, it's just like what, what makes people tick and stuff. So what's that smirk on your face? Just <laughs> talking about raising kids and you're using that as a reference and you're just like completely unqualified. I like that you sprinkle that in. Like, I'm like, this is a great example of, to make the point that I'm talking about that I'm completely unqualified to make. People have said it before. I think it makes sense. What do you think? You don't think? I, yeah, it definitely, it definitely makes sense. It just reminded me of his build of like, when he would say, he would talk about friends of his that would have kids and just to rile them up a bit, he would say, so it's like a, having a dog. Yeah, exactly. It applies to dogs, kids, employees. Yeah, man. But, there is, but you got to give me credit. There is something to be said about like the universal applicability to certain principles and yeah. how people are wired from day one. And how do you, like I said, human dignity, respect, all these core things. You can never get around it. You can't get around someone's ego. You can't get around disrespecting them. These are like, these are not things. Anyway, so that's why I felt like I'm qualified to talk about whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that point. And it's funny, the comparisons that we make. Of Things that comparisons as well that are taboo or comparisons that have a certain stigma where that oftentimes as well, people take those things personally, where it's mm. like they'll, yeah, they'll take it the wrong way. For example, comparing employees to kids. As a, as a, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I just like inadvertently insulted everybody. Like, and they're like, the worst part is I, um, like, <laughs> I think I see a pair. I don't know. I just, but. No, but I see the parallel in the best way. I see a parallel. I see a parallel in the way that like, the way that's not offense. This is me saving face right now, but I see a way that's applicable in the way that's it's not offensive is that whether they're kids, employees, like everybody is, deserves that kind of, you feel me? Yeah. So I was just still laughing about that. It's so funny. You were saying. Yeah. So I was saying like, I just see it as applicable. I see it as in the best way possible that whether you're a kid employee, like everyone's a human. That's my point. It's not about employees are the same as kids. My point is everyone is a human, whether you're raising kids, you're interacting with employees or managers or stakeholders, like everyone. And as a human, everyone has like foundational things that like I said, you can't get around dignity, respect, ego. So that's how, that's how I save face. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. I to totally agree with the painting out the broad strokes of human psychology and it is, it is rooted in any interpersonal relationship. Yeah, man.
All right. So what do you think? You want to, you open to digging and opening the kimono a little bit or yeah, are you feeling it. on that? Let's so give, give people the high level of your background with ayahuasca and everything going in. It'll actually be a year and 16 days that I did my first ceremony. And I still remember the first thing that comes to mind is the fucking tobacco water. <laughs> yeah, man. That's the piece I just don't have an interest to do again. I just signed up again for November and I'm going to try to negotiate with Keenan. It's like, Keenan, I've done this three times now yeah. in the past year. Like, I think we're good. But if, if he makes me do it, then I'll do it. Yeah. But, I have a similar thing, similar concern, similar fear. I've heard that he, I heard it's an option, right? It's for like a free country or whatever, like permission for free will granted. But I do feel like with certain people, maybe people like us, maybe not, he will flex his influence and he might, or he may or may not make it easy for us to bow out. You let me know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I might do cam, I'm probably going to do cambo beforehand to just, to. Uh... Like for sure, not to, just to for sure, not have to do it. For those of you who are listening or are familiar with Cambo, Cambo is the eat frog poison that it's not a psychedelic. It's really just a detox. It's just a detox that it's very much a deep cleanse and a deep purge that, that you go through. Anecdotally, I've heard that many people throw up a yellow, okay, this yellow, not to get too graphic, but yeah. We're not going to have any visuals for that. If, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's no hard pass on that noted. Anyways, it's a pretty gnarly short term, short term experience. It's not very long, but very intense. For yeah. I'd be curious to look into that. I, I haven't looked. I'm not aware of any science behind Cambo. The reason, one of the big reasons I got into ayahuasca is I read a lot of the actual research papers behind the science validating ayahuasca depression basically gone or severely decreased nine months after the experience anxiety decreases exit at certain addictions so i basically read through everything that i could find and that in conjunction with the anecdotal evidence of very close people in my life like you made me feel pretty confident to to give it a whirl you're never gonna feel or i shouldn't say you are never i didn't see a way where you're going to, uh, you're going to feel nervous. You're going to feel there's aspect, there's a level of discomfort. I can gear up on the science and my friends say it's awesome. You can gear up as much as you want, but there's no getting around the discomfort and all that stuff associated, which a part of the experience. And there is a confidence that's developed after you've gone through something incredibly challenging, incredibly physically challenging, emotionally challenging discomfort there's a confidence that's gained by going through that and coming out the other side but we're talking about your experience so you tell me your experience it's a rite of passage it's a, it's very much a and that's not so, that's something that we definitely don't have enough of in western civilization and we very much lost that in our modernity where it is it's an experience that you can take with you for the rest of your life that nobody can take it away from you because of how hard it is. Like starting off with the tobacco water, that's the, think of that as not just the tobacco water, but the repe the first time. The repe completely rocked my world the first time. Like I, I purged almost immediately Ooh. after that. And and then- Repe is basically blowing tobacco up your nose. Is that a fair- Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Mixed with other roots from the Amazon. I'm not sure what the specific blend is. The one that is at La Ceiba. And the first ceremony that I did was the night ceremony. And I didn't, I just felt calm. I didn't, it's very meditative. It's really just at peace with everything. There was no psychedelics. There was no really visceral, deep visceral experiences, just very calm. And then the day ceremony, it, this one was this, I did have, well, before I transitioned to the day ceremony, I did have a, a kind of a light vision where I was traveling. I was like flying through space time and I was on this planet, this desert planet that was space is a very reoccurring thing theme for me on ayahuasca. It's a fucking love space. And then I hit this waterfall and then I was falling through this waterfall and then I was in hell. There's like all this like burning inferno and, and everything. I didn't feel it. It was just more visual. But then the day ceremony the next day came where this was fucking crazy. Like this. Well, so let's start, let's stop with the night ceremony. So they always ask, it's like common vernacular there. Did you connect? Are you connecting? So did you, would you say you connected going through the bowels of inferno or how do you look at that because you had a visual experience where your eyes closed open what how do you what's your mental like that was a win or loss or like how do you look at that whole experience i thought i connected i definitely I only drank one cup or yeah i drank yeah one two one two cups that's hard to i don't know the exact number off memory but yeah definitely connected and i was just good in that state it was just very much like just at peace felt like what i needed and in, in that moment, I talked about this on episode one, just the anger that I've been, that drove me for nine years. And that's a big part of what led me to ayahuasca as was my grandmother passing. And then, and that leads well into the day ceremony because the day ceremony was, I took a big cup to start and I went out and I walked out to the gondola that's outside just across from the, the Finca or the villa. In Colombia, everybody calls it the Finca, but common nomenclature be a villa. And the gondola. So I walked out there after I took after I took a big cup. I sat down, laid down, and then I I started to doze off a little bit, but then I was like immediately like starting to it's immediately starting to set in. Where I had a much more visceral visceral vision. Was a jaguar running through a jungle chasing an antelope and i jumped and i took down the antelope and then i heard this voice that said okay now you need to eat its heart i'm like okay shit all right so then i ate its heart and i passed out for like 35 minutes right away after that then when i woke up i was fucking flanked like my body was still there, but I was not like mentally at the mentally or spiritually, depending on how you look at it at the villa. And from there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to need to go lie down on the hammock. So I went back inside to the villa and I don't remember what I was doing in there, but then as soon as I came back out, so the entrance being here, I started walking towards the hammocks, which are here. And I started walking towards my whole body felt like it was vibrating and flying and walking towards a, a giant yellow flower. Now, 
this yellow flower was covered in eyeballs. Like all the petals had eyeballs on it, like everywhere. And it was a, it was the grandmother spirit of ayahuasca. And uh, for those of you who are listening, the tribes of the Amazon will call the ayahuasca, the grandmother spirit or abuela in, in Spanish and had a full on conversation with her. It was just like love, really love was the answer was the main message. And uh, this is, it, it immediately occurred to me that this is how to operate. This is the place to be. And this is like the, it's like the optimal, it's like peak efficiency <laughs> of life of this is the operating, this is the most efficient standard operating procedure for life. And love is exactly. Love, yeah. To be in that place of love and joy. And after, after having that, she said that there's somebody here to see you. And my grandmother was there. And my grandmother showed up as this kind of this yellow golden light. And I shared with her a lot of things that I regretted, namely my relationship with my sister and how cruel I was to her growing up. And that's something that I regret because I was very much a bully to her. Other things that I regretted, for example, I, I visited London in 2019 and uh, she asked me to send her pictures of the trip and I never fucking sent her pictures of the trip. And it's something that bothered me, especially after she passed. And so I let her know that I regretted that and she forgave me for everything. And she said, you become a, a good man. And I started crying. And after we had that moment, by serendipity, I put my Kobe Bryant jersey on that morning. And she said that there's somebody here to see you. And Kobe Bryant showed up. This is actually August, Kobe's birthday. This was August 25th when we started the ceremony. It was actually Kobe's birthday on August 23rd. Interesting. More to add to the serendipity. But Kobe said like the most like Kobe thing that I've ever heard. Because <laughs> I thanked him for, I thanked him for stopping by. And you know what he said? Thank me by winning and uh, okay, done. And so for the rest of the ceremony, I was like, okay, I got to get all my shit together. I, I made my bucket, like my puke bucket, like completely spotless. Like, I, I spent like, and what's funny is my friend, my friend Ian watched me probably spend seven minutes going up and down the hill. <laughs> so you take the bucket, you go down the hill, you empty it out and then you come back up. Yeah. He watched me for seven minutes through this process of just cleaning it and making it like completely spotless, this bucket. And then I went in and I, cause I reserved one of the, one of the private rooms and made my bed and I organized my bag. Like I made sure that everything was organized and I'm like, everything is on point. Kobe, mama mentality, baby, let's go. <laughs> and, and what the latter part of that experience was that I saw every religion I saw every religion and I experienced every religion in a frat. Like whenever you see fractals on like those graphics that just go on forever and same graphic and just continues in a loop. I saw that for religion where I saw the native, the, the native indigenous North American idea play out of everything has a spirit associated with it. And what's interesting is that when I was on the hammock, 
there was this wasp nest that was over right above the hammock. And these are South American wasps. Like these are big ass wasps, They're like red and black and just like just terrifying. <laughs> and uh, I'm just laying there looking at them. I always had a certain admiration for them just as, because they just look like such apex predators. Always like fantasized about like, man, imagine how terrifying it would be if they were as big as a lion. <laughs> and, uh, imagine them taking down an antelope. <laughs> holy shit, that would be so crazy. And so I start like, to see. It's like, what's the dumbest thing I could say? So I, I imagined them, or excuse me, I saw that this wasp had a spirit as a latter part of that, that North American, North American indigenous idea of everything having a spirit, every living thing having a spirit associated with it. My grandmother chimes in, you don't want to talk to him. He's a prick. And uh, me being me, it was like, I'm just, I'm obviously going to say hi now that you told me not to say <laughs> hi to him. And so I said, hey, hey spirit of the wasp. And he's responded back, go fuck yourself. I'm busy doing wasp shit. All right, kid. Okay, then. All right. Yeah, this, yeah, because it's, I don't want to give, you have a much more like visual experience and kind of like narrative and story than I had, but I did have some common themes. And to me, the interesting part and what I always want to convey to people, it's like, it's not just like an interesting, oh, wasps and this and that. There's really meaningful shifts and changes that you come out and walk around with this. Like one of them that you talked about, like being a bully to your sister, that's just, a, this is another one of our synch synch like overlap synchronicities that I had no idea about with you <clears throat> is that I had the same thing also presented in my ayahuasca experience is like me mourning and grieving, like how I was a bully to my younger brother growing up. And it's something like the I have showed me, like I've apologized to him. I've, we've worked through it. We're on better terms now. And I thought. I thought I was over it. And then it showed me like, I still hold on to a lot of that, whatever you call it, like regrief, re excuse me, regret, grief, all these sort of things. And, but literally I use the same words as I was like a bully and all this stuff. That's just like one, at least for me and for you, it sounds like that's just like one thing of you walk out with a little bit less or a lot less of holding on to those past, like locked emotions of feeling bad about yourself or being hard on yourself or for your past mistakes and regrets, like that could be a big release. Another big release that I wanted to ask you about is like you talked about being nine years angry and fueled by anger and, and all these sort of associated emotions. And I think it seems like you're in a different place now. So would, would you attribute to the aisle, like a release of changing kind of your operating? You're like modus undi, but like, I'm not going to be fueled by anger as much or at all. And could you speak to some of the releases or shifts since you've had these <clears throat> since you've had the ayahuasca experience because i think the visual and all that stuff i think is really interesting but i don't i I'm, I'm hazarding a guess that's like more interesting to people who have a little bit more of a familiarity with this stuff whereas the thing that's universally applicable that again i really want to i'm a believer in it so i'm going to speak out about i'm going to speak up on things that i believe in is i think most people now there are cases if you have schizophrenia that's contraindicated contraindicated to do ayahuasca but for most people, <clears throat> I think you're going to get some pretty significant psychological, emotional shifts that are going to benefit your life, releasing traumas, all these sort of things that are now like memes and buzzwords and like hashtags. But this is like real stuff, like lifelong baggage and trauma that you're addressing. So how do you, what's your opinion on all that? And like walking out of it. It's a great, that's a great question. What's interesting 
that after the first ayahuasca experience, but the three weeks after that, like I was just completely locked in to everything, like gym, business, fitness. Like I just built up like a fuckload of momentum after the three weeks after ayahuasca, where I set the first, the momentum from after that first ayahuasca experience is I set like the first layer of management in my company. And then the releasing of the anger, that's not something like it's, it's, there's a lot of the work that happens in ayahuasca in the actual ceremony. And then there's also a lot of work that happens outside of the ayahuasca ceremony. And there's somebody that, there's somebody that we both know, I won't, won't say their name, but they're, they're just very, they're just very angry. They hold on to a lot of, are you, are you talking about me? Connie, no, where they're, they're, just like, they're just very resentful at the world and they project that resentment and they project that that anger a lot and that was like the first wake-up call for me of like immediately after the ayahuasca of, of showing that love and joy modus operandi that juxtaposed to it like almost immediately and i'm like am, am i fucking been like this this is so disgusting i don't want to like i'm yeah i'm committed to not operating this way this way anymore that was the first thing and then there's a, another good friend of mine has showed me a lot of the work that he's done in therapy, namely the Hokumanono prayer, inner child work. And in doing that, in doing that inner child work of visualizing my inner child and particularly those moments that fuel that anger and then just saying the Hokumanono prayer has been has been a massive release in, in terms of doing that work. And I have a, I can speak to a lot of different anecdotes of showing my staff that as well and having a positive impact on their performance as salespeople in one-on-ones and coaching. But that was the big thing. And then the last, it was actually the third Aya ceremony that I had done in January of this year, where my girlfriend and I, we had broken up for a month. And it actually put me very much in my ego. It was a very, it was very much a, like a ego driven experience where I was like really feeling the anger and I was really feeling that judgment and superiority of other people. And I didn't like the people that I was on the retreat with. Like they were just, I just, I didn't respect the lives that they built and they would, yeah, they, they just, so you're saying me to be pussies. So you're saying like that you're being on IAB made heighten your judgment and like what you're calling ego in terms of like how you're judging others or what do you mean exactly? Yeah, exactly. I was really hung up on, I was really hung up on that idea and, and I couldn't let go. I just had felt like a lot of resentment towards them and, and fear and arrogance to, towards them. And even when I say like, did you choose to go with these people or was it like your random allotment that the people random allotment? That's the beauty and challenge of, see, I met one of, I met somebody who ended up becoming like one of my best friends and like literally had my back on so many levels. Like I passed out and he like took my bucket before I spilled puke all over me and so many things that I'm like, this is amazing that I met this guy. And then you also get what you're talking about where you get 20 random strangers together you may not like everybody. I didn't like everybody. I liked, it was like, I had a great friend and then I was like good with a few others and then just completely neutral, apathetic to like some, and then a couple that I was like, like very much averse to, to engaging with, it's just like anything and that to yeah. me, that's part of, to me, that's part of actually the experiences is like, you get the full spectrum of life, right? You get very high achieving people. Like this isn't 
there, Aaron Rodgers, right? Aaron Rodgers came out and talked about this of like his best season ever, blah, blah, blah. Attributing that to ayahuasca and machine gun Kelly, MGK talked about how he did it with his fiance, Megan Fox, and how that made a big difference and very high achievement. It doesn't matter where you are. This is what I mean by the employees, babies, kids thing. Everyone's human. Every, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're an employee, kid, if you doesn't matter if you're an Aaron Rodgers, we all have a universal shared fabric. And so you can get high performing, interesting, cool, successful, crushing people. And then you can get literally this, I'm coming here as like my last ditch effort to turn around my suicide, suicidality and things like that. And to me, that's, what's beautiful about it is it affects, it takes you, it meets you where you are and it knows what you need. I'm not big on the, I think with most things, intentions is beautiful and I don't think it hurts to do, but I believe that it's so intelligent and it knows like, it's just such a beautiful thing. <clears throat> that your intent, your intention to me only Matt takes you so far and it'll just come in and it, it knows. And here's the thing we're operating off of 10% <clears throat> through our conscious brain, but 90% is subconscious and that's what it digs into. So you may not even be consciously aware what you need. I was not consciously aware of how much grief I was holding on to with being a bully for my younger brother and these things like that. Anyway, point is, so you were, you had some people that you weren't a huge fan of. <laughs> Yeah. And it's wrong for me to judge them. I want to say that I'm being a bit aggressive <laughs> or a lot aggressive in yeah, in my approach. But anyways, it was more just a, you, you said it best, an aversion of, yeah, aver, aver, aversion to them. And so the IO really walked me through that, walked, walked me through, took me to that ego place and took me, walked me through my pain of, because really what I, the root cause of that and really what had been propelling that is the rough emotions that I've been feeling through the, from the breakup. And because Louisa and I are really close and, and had a fucking awesome relationship, but we got back together. We were able to figure it out. We got a great relationship over the last year and a half. And, and so it was really hard to let go of, of that person. And so part of a big part of that was me projecting that pain in that. And it really made me understand the ego for what it is. And the ego is just protection. It's just protection mechanism. That's why a lot of entrepreneurs that I'm sure that we've met tend to have big egos because entrepreneurship is fucking hard. Like it's literally like eating glass and it hurts. It hurts a fucking lot. So I totally get, I totally get why some entrepreneurs may be, may be more ego driven as opposed to heart centered. Yeah. The ego and what's a healthy ego and like irrational self-confidence and all these sort of things. That's a whole other, that's a whole other topic. That's all our conversation, but bringing back to something I said earlier that relates to this is like, you gain a level of confidence that from going through this experience. So when challenges are presented with business relationships, other things, to me, I have more confidence to, to be able to handle that. If you have an employee or whatever business challenge, whatever it is, you've it's like, I've also drinking tobacco water. So there's a part, but what's also fascinating, what I also love about this is you don't have to, I don't think you have to consciously, this is the magic to me is you don't have to consciously prop yourself up and say, Hey, I'm the guy who went through ayahuasca. I'm the guy who drank tobacco water so I can handle this problem. No, it actually works on a much more deeper level and it rewires it to where it's that just changes your belief without having to force it You're, you don't have to be like well, i'm the guy who did this no you just naturally have that swag or confidence or, or whatever it is that on a deeper level you can handle some tough shit and that's i literally i can literally come up with a thousand things but that's like addendum number whatever of 
just the benefits you get of doing Iowa. I am very pro it right now. So I will, that's pretty obvious, but I do think when you deal with other challenges in life, I do think it helps you handle that stuff because this, it never stops. In fact, a big, another huge shift that it did for me on this is I hated bad things that happened. I hated challenges, quote unquote challenges or bad things that happened to me. I've always hated it. I think most people don't like it. And I've just pouted and had some level of like victim mentality with it, different things that have happened in my life. And now I've like completely shifted my belief where it's, I have a resounding like faith and trust in the universe, in my life and in spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, that like thing, there is a divine orchestration. There's a divine timing of like why things happen to you. And to me, it's your job to figure out like, what's the good out of this. I've had things that took me, one of our mutual friends that I met him eight years ago at a mastermind that I was beating myself. I'm like, why did I go to this mastermind? I regret it. Waste of money. I'm getting sold again, some bullshit that I don't need. And what a dumb decision. I beat myself for years that I was like, that was just the more, yet another dumb, ill-advised thing I did. Fast forward eight years, <clears throat> I meet, or I come to Columbia and Kyle's here who I, specific details. I met him at this business conference and we've been maintained friendship all that time. And then for, through him be living here in Columbia, that completely unlocked doors, opened, changed the game, huge transformation, friends, this, that, me, doing this with you. I met him through you. So my point is, to me, it's one of my favorite stories. Of, it can even take years. So you do have to have some patience, but everything that happens to you that you're upset about or you find to be a setback, have patience and have faith and find a way to make it work for you. And if you don't have a way, just come up with a belief, just come up with something, reframe it somehow so you can stomach it until you have like hard evidence. Like I've hard evidence that this thing that I was regretful over completely changed my life. It led me to ayahuasca, it led me to meeting you, it led me to other friends. It gave me the freaking download roadmap on how to live in Columbia, like completely worth it. And it took, so that, but that, but my original point is just having that high level belief of hey things happen for a reason these are all cliche things to, to, to say but do you actually like really believe that most of my life i didn't really truly have that in my heart and soul and bones yeah just trust i feel like i'm getting destroyed i feel like i'm just getting wrecked what is the purpose of this but it works out things work out so I've just but to me my point is i literally attribute to ayahuasca that huge belief shift and that's a very helpful belief shift, by the way, because a lot of shitty things do happen. And so having a way to not only handle them on a tactical level, I'm like, okay, now I need to use my EQ. Now I need to tell them to own it. Now I like not on a tactical level, but also on the soul, like feeling emotional temperament level, anger management level of don't have anger management, have faith. Oh, I'm curious. Have curiosity. Like, oh, this is interesting. This is a challenge I wouldn't have really asked for. I'm really curious how this is going to serve me. So I really... I believe in my heart and soul like that belief shift is a massive upgrade. And like I said, one of a thousand things I could come up with on what I attribute to. I fucking thousand percent agree with that, dude. It, the sooner that you can get over the emotional bullshit of life happening to you, the sooner that you can figure out what it's trying to teach you. And I had this last, uh, this last reframe of, it's interesting, there was somebody that was Last night experience that I did back in March for somebody that was going through fucking going through a ringer, like they were going through a really tough time and uh, they vocalized a lot of it. And I reflected a lot on their experience of Aya 
giving you a tough experience is Abuela giving you tough love. Life giving you a tough experience is tough love from God or the universe, whatever you want to call it. And what do you take away from that exactly? Like you said, because right after that ayahuasca experience, we had a $170,000 loss. So it's like that week was the best week of my life. That same ayahuasca experience that I just talked about in March and then going through a, then going through a quarter like that, it was, it was a lot. It was a fucking a boarding school had been the hardest thing that I ever had to go through up until that point. But then that was definitely the hardest thing that, that I've ever had to go through. And then the sooner that I figured it out, it didn't need to be that hard. And instead of exactly like you said, like victim mentality, pouting over it of like, all right, motherfucker, it's time to get to work. What are you going to do about it? And, and yeah. So even in that moment, I say that because I definitely thought about putting in the towel and just fucking giving up. But it's like when things are on the line, things are on the line, are you going to fight for it or going to run? For it? What do you root to when this is really, this is like the mother of all things, but what do you root, what do you anchor to when you're, when you've had that in your life or if it happened, if it still happens to here and there, but like when that comes up, that, that voice of man, what's the point? Like, why not just this would be a hell of a lot easier. I wouldn't have to figure out how to do my taxes and figure out how to get a microphone set up. So I don't sound like a freaking, like all this shit that you have to do, all this shit that you have to deal with in life. And you're like, man, it would just be a hell of a lot easier just to like, kind of give up and on the ultimate give up. Like, what do you anchor to when that happens? Should I listen to Tim Grover? <laughs> so I go to anytime, any fucking time is I just throw on a tit. Just throw on a TG interview and, or start watching The Last Dance. <laughs> so the go-to, <laughs> if I need to dig in or if I know that I'm going to need to go through some something hard, just put on The Last Dance for the 24th time. There's a better, is it? Yeah, I think, I think this is a really, I think everyone needs, anyone who's challenged with this needs a way to handle it. Right? So some people may call, for, so you're very internal, right? So you're going to, you're going to look within versus some people may be external. They may call a friend. They may call a loved one. There's like different coping mechanisms of like, how do you stop the spiraling? I think it's or really I might cool. just get like a fucking another full leg tattoo. <laughs> like, all right, time for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's uh, on the tattoo thing. My, my tattoo for context, I'm a full leg sleep tattoo. And that goes hand in hand with ayahuasca. That's the um, start and end of the context. <laughs> There's no more context. It's just a leg tattoo. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I've struggled. I talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, but I struggle with addiction, cocaine, MDMA, video games, sex. I'm not, you're not wrong. <laughs> so what triggers my addiction is fight or flight. And with tattoos, what really put the cherry on top of the ayahuasca experience for me, if, if I got the full leg sleep tattoo when I when we were going through that, and it's the first time that I've talked about it publicly, but and the tattoo is like 16 and a half hours. So broken up, how many, broken up, how many times Four over four sessions? It's a CrossFit unbroken leg tattoo, 16 hour unbroken reps, 16 hours straight. <laughs> it's an unbroken set. There's no oh. rest. It's an AMRAP for 16 <laughs> hours. As many pretty, reps as possible. Pretty much, dude. That's a great way to put it. And yeah, fucking, yeah. So there's no running away from it. You just have to sit there and you have to embrace, you have to find there's the, 
it was the last one that I did was actually the hardest of, cause I, I made a mistake of, I'm like trying to manage the blood sugar thing because blood sugar will inevitably fall off a cliff because of the blood loss. So you'll just notice, you just notice mm. you getting faint over time. Mm. And so what they do, what they usually have at the tattoo parlor, they have fucking M&Ms on deck for the end what inevitably happens and you need that inevitable like blood sugar spike like they'll just fucking give you m and need some m&ms like let's just light it up and and so i what i did at the beginning i was like i didn't do any research it was just literally just like gut fucking i just loaded up on tattoos and fucking gatorade as soon as i went in there because i'm like thinking hey this will this will help and i also just wanted m&ms and gatorade <laughs> <laughs> but a fucking terrible idea because as soon as the sugar crash happened, I was like so irritable and I was so grumpy and I was just like, get me the fuck out of here. But in facing that emotion, there's no escape. You have to embrace it. You have to embrace the pain and entrepreneurship or any pursuit of excellence is like that. You have to find it in you to embrace the pain and uh, there's no fucking running away. Like anytime that you run away, you're just like, you're just shoving it for later. And me being bullied to, and the tattoo is a traditional Japanese tattoo of a koi fish turning into a dragon, which symbolizes my whole life of always being run to the litter, picked on and bullied. It's feeling really powerless because I grew up with very like blue collar people and not just blue collar, but a lot of criminals and scary people too. That's uh, that because everyone's bring. nice in Canada. Uh, my city is kind of my city has a is very weird. It's that it's the capital, but it's also rough in many areas. Yeah. And uh, like a lot of a lot of my friends were Haitian gangbangers, and they picked on me. Right. And I always felt very powerless in that situation. These people would like guns and fucking sell drugs, pants and like I'm just like the setup guy <laughs> and so from going through that to being in a position of strength now where I've created I've built a life where I have options and doing cool interesting shit like business entrepreneurship and have fucking awesome friends is that's what going from koi fish to the dragon means to me so do you feel art, like oh go ahead just... yes the art the process of the art is what we struggle to put this into words but it's the process of going through this. The process of creating the art is what puts the art into perspective of having to face that pain of, and as well as everything that I've gone through from that standpoint to sales, entrepreneurship, to where I am today. And Aya is what inspired that. I just felt like I needed that art to feel like I've earned it, feel like I earned the art. You earned it, man. Well, not only did you earn it, but then you earn it by the process to actually getting it. That alone is the exactly. earning it. It's the whole, it's the whole thing is earning it. <clears throat> this is a personal question, but one that I've found like very important to look at in my own life. But you talk about like where you've been and where you are now, which is beautiful progress and not getting picked on anymore. And now like in a position of power and just overall really up leveling your, yourself. <clears throat> do you ever, do you like, how much does that this is maybe more of a question with your therapist that I don't know if you see one, but like, how much is that really sunk in terms of, like, do you really feel proud of yourself? And do you really, has that really sunk in of, holy shit, like I used to come from this and look where I am now, or is it still in the spectrum of, yeah, I got a business and like, it's, you're still like 
grappling with it versus, wow, like I'm really proud of myself for what I've done. And that's something I've struggled with is just being proud of myself and like just giving yourself a pat on the back instead of constantly just like feeling the heart on yourself. I, yeah, I do. Like I went to the high school, I went to my high school reunion. You know, talked about that on episode one and it was very cathartic uh, of a release. And I've really put everything into perspective. I definitely don't do enough gratitude work because I'm so like, okay, what's next? <laughs> I was looking for the next level. Like, what is the, what is the next thing? It's like, yeah, this is cool and all, but like try to do something even more impactful, something even more special, meaningful. I think I found there's two, there's a two, it's a double edged sword, that phenomenon. If you're quickly looking to the next thing. Well, it allows you to achieve and find your next goal and keep climbing the mountain. That's the good thing. The bad thing is what you're talking about, which is doesn't really leave room for gratitude and appreciation and kind of quote unquote, smelling the roses along the way. It's good to balance those out. I had another point with that. that will come to me. I find Aya helps me do that a lot because I'm, entrepreneurship is hard and there's always pressure. There's always people counting on you. There's a myriad of different challenges that you have to face every day. Emotional, mental, intellectual exercises to figure out. And I find the Aya is always what takes me to that bliss. And something that I'm going, I'm planning on going back. I was hoping to get a session in this month. I'm not sure if it'll be possible, but excuse me. I find, I always find takes me back to that kind of that celebration of everything. Just because like I fucking... Try to, it's funny, I, excuse me, like I feel like I'm not earning it enough every day still. And this was a big, there's a few things, the shared fabric we have on feeling whatever word you want to use, feeling upset about being a boy towards our siblings. That was a big one that stood out listening to your Aya story. And then the other thing that stood out was Kobe told you to win. And my first, my knee-jerk re- reaction to that is define when, define when, because that to me, to me, that's a lot of what this podcast is about and what we're about. And like, I don't, we're not just another, like how to get rich or how to be successful in business or how to even just personal growth in a vacuum. Like to me, how to get so photo shoots with IG thoughts. Yeah. To me, there's just, to me, there's just so much more. That is a real course. It's out there, folks. Sorry, not like, interrupt. It, yeah, to me, it's, it's a big defined win because if you don't know where you're going, any train will get you there. And so it's easy to just get caught up in whatever Instagram engagement, revenue, whatever sort of metric, and you can just chase it mindlessly. But I think taking that step back, I think ayahuasca or different psychedelic experiences or meditative experiences or time away in general, or like a phone detox for a few days, getting to nature, there's many ways to kind of unplug and get some perspective. But I really believe that like, to me, I like hanging around people who have put some thought into that of like define when, and there's like a Ralph Waldo Emerson quote, that's, I'm going to butcher it, but it's success is having the respect of kids, having the respect of smart people to love, to be loved, but to know that one life was better because you lived. Like to me, that's like a very pithy, succinct way to get what I'm talking about of like, there's a 360 degree view, at least for me of defining to defining winning. And that's just something I think a lot about, especially when it's easy to compare yourself 
like it's just like social media lends itself to comparing yourself or like why does this person have a bigger business or a bigger following or whatever <clears throat> i'm five times as funny and uh, and it's if you put all your eggs if you put all your if you put your entire identity and concept of winning into some sort of stupid metric like even how much money you have or how much people like you on social media i mean stupid things like that and you don't keep the perspective of there's more to life so anyway but that's i'm gonna go on a diatribe with it but to me it's oh win so yeah i want to win too but i also want to get clear on what is what does win mean and so it's not just crushing it in business it's do you treat waiters and people quote unquote beneath your service people whatever treating everyone with respect not good. having like having humility having to me being able to like unplug and relax. Like it took me a long time just to be able to crack open Netflix and like actually enjoy it. Whereas I'm just like, my, my mind is racing with business and pressure and trying to constantly, it's, there's so many nuances to like, can you just enjoy your life and also succeed on a more conventional path? Like that to me is more interesting than just like the crush it kind of world. That's so my it, take. So really what you're saying is that are you aligned with your core values? Are you living in alignment with your core values? And also being a contributor to the human story or others. And for me, it's being a contributor to the human story in a big and meaningful way. And going to the Kobe and the Michael Jordan mindset of like, you do it at the highest level all the time. And that's what I aspire towards. And I don't. Like, and I can get fucking caught up in comparing myself to them. And that's just, uh, how come I can't, how come I can't dunk? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm friggin' I'm built. I have the strength of a wide receiver with the, the, or like the size of a wide receiver with the athleticism of an offensive lineman. So, you know, in terms of just like their dedication to their craft, and I have to remind myself now it's your Scott and it's cool to pull that as inspiration to look at that as the standard. And it goes back to something that my dad sent me. He sent me a picture of where Churchill and Roosevelt signed the, the Atlantic or the Atlantic Charter, excuse me, aligning their goals for winning World War II. There are no great men. There are just great examples. And the, the vision to, to see it and the courage to see it through along those lines. And looking at their example, it's like, it's not about you. It's about the example. And that's been a big theme in ayahuasca. The theme that comes up is what Michael Jordan said at the, not what Michael Jordan said, but when somebody, when he was going through that foot injury and Jerry, I can't remember this guy, the GMs, Jerry Krause, Jerry Krause in the front office wanted to tank that season because Michael was at for the foot injury. So position for the draft, like there's no way to make the playoffs. And so Michael just by sheer force of will fucking made the playoffs and uh, still with this, like he had a set number of minutes that he could play. It was a, journalist commenting Michael's effort saying is like to Michael, it's like tanking is not a fucking option. It's an insult to the game because to Michael is like, you do it at the highest level, you do it to win all the bucket time. And that philosophy really resonates with me of doing it at the highest level all the time. Yeah. To me, the winning, 
Yeah, I like winning any more than the next guy. I really hate losing. That's the biggest thing. It definitely, <laughs> it's more about an aversion to losing. But yeah. what resonates with me with all that stuff is not just like win because I want to win and be better than everyone. To me, what resonates is just like I said at the beginning of this whole episode of you showing up every day for posting social media. Like to me, there's this like just the mental fortitude of I'm going to give it my all and I'm going to hold myself to the highest standard. Now, the point of the game is to win. So, part of the standard is it's inherent in that system of, yeah, I want to win, but abstracting a little bit from that, it's, I'm going to bring like my best and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything less and no, but I'm going to demand more of me than anybody else can expect. And to me, and just like that, and again, the consistency of doing that, like through, because it's easy to have that mentality when you're feeling confident and you're up and you just, you just had a big win or whatever. And it's like easy to feel confident when you're confident, but to do that consistently, when you may not naturally feel, nobody feels motivated and confident all the time. And so that's why I keep talking about consistency because what's inherent in that is you've gone through the waves and the turmoil of it doesn't matter what day it is. It doesn't matter if I feel good, confident, but if I want to play, if I have the flu for Michael Jordan, which is like insane, dude, when I, I don't know how you do that. Like when I have the flu, I'm not playing basketball. I can tell you that much. And it's just, but it's just that, that the power of the mindset, right? Like the power and so much as biology belief is a really good book that's popular right now in terms of just the power of beliefs and the mindset and all that stuff. And I'm definitely not the per first person to harp on this, but it's just like an endlessly important and fascinating topic of just your mindset is rock solid. You're demanding the best of yourself. You're not wavering when you're if you feel a challenge, okay, it's halfway through an ayahuasca retreat. I don't want to be here. I've done tobacco water. I puked my guts out. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. And maybe I didn't have the best first or second experience. And you just, you keep going and you keep going. To me, it's all the inner workings. That's the stuff. The winning is the byproduct. And like I said, winning's great. But to me, it's like the inner workings that are more interesting to me. So that's my Michael Jordan re relay to what you said. It's interesting. And it just made me think of my friend Mackenzie. He's actually also friends with another who we used to, he actually works with Mark Tonkel. That's, we always used to work together at the same company. We went to a wedding recently in Whistler, British Columbia, Canada. And we got like completely fucking just absolutely shit faced at this wedding. It was a great time. But then the next morning we're like, we agreed the day before that we're going to do hill runs because it's in the mountains, Whistler. And something that his mindset, I think in terms of determination that really stuck with me, it's like for him to stop, he's training for a triathlon right now. He's like, just had a kid. So he's pretty out of shape. And his mindset is you will have to fucking kill me before I, my body stops. And that is even today I'm feeling burnt out. I'm feeling tired. So even now doing that, like we had a couple of like pretty solid wins today. Like we had a good day to the revenue. I had just had a freaking awesome potential referral partner come in and even though not feeling it, it's like still fucking showing up and using that. And my takeaway is even though I didn't act with as much urgency as I would have liked today, so we all, but I'm glad you get back on the horse. Yeah. And this is where like this kind of brushes on my like a little bit like allergy to the whole crush it thing is there's a lot of nuance with this. Having this mindset and showing up every day, that's great stuff that we're talking about. But 
part of this is also like taking the time to step away and do things like ayahuasca or it's taking time. I had a really successful friend of mine, business guy. He just went out, he just unplugged for a month and now he's going to come back with a bunch of ideas and energy. And so there's a lot of like nuance to this of don't kill yourself. Don't burn yourself out, but nowhere you need to be. Are you so that, so to me, there's like a, and that's why I have a little bit of the allergy to the crush it because it loses the thought on there is a time and place to rest and recoup. And there's an intel. It's actually not smart to work out every day. It depends on what you do or whatever, but it's not good to maximum train yourself to maximum failure reps every day. Like that's pretty well agreed on is like your nervous system can't recuperate as quickly. There's ways to overdo it. So that's where I am like, okay, I have to temper the whole crush it thing a little bit, but sometimes like part of crushing it for me was just like taking the time to get out of my bullshit and get out of my like bullshit work that I was doing. Take five days to throw my phone away and get into an ayahuasca experience and make new friends and make new connections and make new thought patterns and new belief shifts. And to me, that all is like, that's, and that's what I mean by the universal win. There's more than going on, but often for most of us, most of the time, it is about, okay, get off the couch, show up, do the hard work. So yes, that's like usually the answer, but I just want to put that little nuance in there. <laughs> it's not always uh -huh. like, it's not, to me, it's, to me, it's not every day I have to be every day. I have to play basketball with the flu. That's my definite. I don't know. You know what I mean? There's, I'm big on a little bit of nuance, but maybe that's my favorite punchline for that is, is, is I put it in a, I made a meme of it. Actually. It's like how to be tough. And it's like a picture of David Goggins. And it's step one, put glass in your cereal. Exactly. Right. It's, there is, there's a limit to everything. <laughs> and then foot race to Mars. But we're coming up on here on the 90 minutes. Any parting thoughts with, we were trying to give a nice like shell of your ayahuasca experience and everything. Any kind of parting thoughts, words of wisdom, anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up on that? Bullet points. Uh, would be how do we how do i fucking vamos this <laughs> yeah how do you fucking vamos this is employee engagement enablement and excitement make sure that you're in that you are measuring that in your team use psychometrics and multi-measured testing in your hiring process as well as in your leadership development and then don't be a little bit <laughs> rewatch the last dance yeah watch rewatch the last rewatch the last dance and if you haven't don't ever gosh. grow up. Don't ever grow up in, where'd you grow up in? In Ottawa, Canada. That, that no. too. When you're helpless and have zero like uh, sovereignty over your world and environment, don't grow up in a very challenging environment. Yeah. Don't, don't hang out with pimps, drug dealers, and murderers. I didn't, I'm not sure they would, if I hung out with murderers, but that's more just me being dramatic. The fact that I'm not sure about that is concerning to me now that I, now that I say it, but yeah. Anything else you want to add to that, Brian? No, no, I think that's good. I just think, I think what I would add to try to like vaguely summarize this conversation, which is going to be challenging because we, we were pretty far reaching is use your brain to think a little critically or so. To me, there's a lot of nuance to this stuff. And that's why a lot gets lost in social media. You'll see people who are like, oh, I'm crushing it or, oh, I'm this or that. I know people with millions of followers barely have a business. I know people know there's so much that you don't see. And, and if you're comparing yourself as my boy Scott here is comparing himself to Michael Jordan here and there, like just 
pause a little bit and think about, okay, is this serving me? Am I, this is an inspiration for me. I like Michael Jordan or I like this or I like that, or I like Cobra Tate. I don't like Cobra Tate. Is this serving me? And, and then come back to you. What's your best? What are your standards? And, or am I being lazy or do I need to take a break? Right. Those are two different things. Like I need to take a break or I'm being lazy. Think a little more critically and don't just take things as like hook, line and sinker and think for yourself a little bit on what makes sense for you. Because I, the last thing I want to be is just like another crush it without any, there's an intelligence to how to approach things. Not just, oh yeah, kill yourself. I don't want to put glass in my cereal. I want to, I want to, I don't want to foot race to Mars. I want to enjoy I want to win, but enjoy the ride along the way. What is lying? So think of, I get, so the ultimate succinct way I can summarize it is think about what winning means to you and think about how you're being lended that answer through other people and other influences and other people are telling you or showing you or showcasing what it means to win. And just think about, is that, is that, are you on board with that? Is that, is that what you want? And that's my and again, I talked about Aya versus the metaverse. This is the same thing where it's social media versus your brain and your sovereignty and your independent thinking. Like it's just, hard. it's an uphill battle to think independently and for yourself when like the entire media and the world is trying to program you to think a certain way. I don't think I'm going to win the war just by having this little bit at the end of our like three hour podcast, but it's just my two cents right now. Well, on that note, that was great. That's a great finish. That being said, folks, stay tuned to the next one. See you later. Now with this episode at a close, let's fucking vamos on out of here.